I approach it from the position of the providers. Like, who are the people that are controlling my ability to get to the inbox? And those people, if they're Gmail, they're Hotmail, they're AOL, they're Yahoo, it's whoever it is, right? And so for them, for their product to be successful, they need to properly categorize the mail that's coming in for their readers, right? So what mail do they really want? What mail do they kind of want? And what's the crap that they never want to see? This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you updated on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you'd be focused on to the tactics and tools that are working today. Today's guest is Brendan Doubles, the Partnerships Director at Entreport, and today we're talking about email deliverability because that is what he has done for the company, along with scaling sales and retention and a bunch of other fun stuff that we might touch on today as well. So welcome, Brendan. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm stoked to be here. All right. Let's talk email deliverability. I think uh, right now it's a very hot topic, uh, mainly because who knows what's going on with SEO? Uh, who knows what's going on with social media platforms? And, you know, email is still, you know, one of the highest converting, you know, marketing methods you can actually employ. And it's very dependable because you actually own the, you know, communication method, unlike social and all these other channels that seem to change all the time. So what have you seen in email that uh, has actually improved deliverability lately? Yeah, I mean, really the the major thing is the ESP is just dialing in on engagement metrics, right? So it's getting uh, a lot more difficult to track email behavior if you're only looking at opens, right? Uh, Apple kind of threw a wrench in the works there uh, when they started obfuscating opens. And so you don't actually know if someone's opening your email or if they're just using an Apple Mail client. So the biggest thing that most of our customers have been doing to really zero in on what's working and what's not is switching from watching open metrics and focusing on clicks and generating email replies as much as they can. Because an email reply is a great show of engagement to the ESPs that are kind of watching to see if people like your stuff or not. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, very few people touch on replies. And, and you know, if you look at a lot of newsletters or even communications from companies, they'll literally say that no one will get back to you if you reply to this email. <laughs> yeah. And that's crazy because not only is it going to help your email deliverability, especially if you've got a larger list, um, but you're looking to build a relationship with your customer or your potential customers. And so you want that engagement. You know, you as the entrepreneur or the business owner don't have to respond personally, um, but you do have a support team, ideally, or you have someone that can spend 30 seconds responding to an email that'll build a ton of goodwill with the customer and make sure that your messages not only are skipping the spam box, but also skipping the promotions box and going straight to the top with a little uh, highlighted tag there in Gmail. Love that. Well, and I like how you said, you know, it's not just about, uh, you know, a default reply, you know, spend 30 seconds and reply to it. So when you say reply to it, you're saying like a one-to-one, -one, somebody reads that email, gets back to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is especially true for those that are selling higher ticket products. Uh, you know, obviously if you're selling pens for 50 cents, uh, it might not be as feasible for you, but probably for most of the folks watching this, especially agencies and kind of like higher ticket sales processes, uh, it just makes sense, right? Like the more connection you can build, 
the much easier the sale is going to be and the longer the relationship will last, ideally. That makes sense. Now, for the, you know, kind of emails that you sent that actually generate these replies, are they, you know, doing a specific call to action or is it just content and it's just engageable? Always feedback emails for us, at least. Uh, so we actually have a couple emails throughout our onboarding funnel that come directly from um, one from our president and one from our CEO. And, and they actually do read all of the responses, which I don't recommend for everybody. Uh, if you're super efficient, definitely go for it. Um, but people want to share their feedback, good and bad. And the amazing thing about that is if someone shares good feedback with you, oh, boom, free testimonial, right? Now you're building more content for you to help continue selling. Uh, again, it's going to help your deliverability rates overall with that provider. But then also, if you're getting negative feedback, like, wouldn't you much rather get that negative feedback directly to you in your private inbox rather than on Facebook or Instagram or Yelp or Google My Business or whatever it is, right? And so that way you're able to field any negative feedback in private, resolve the problem ideally, and then now you have a stronger business because of it and no one else is the wiser. And so it's just a win-win all around. Your customers feel more engaged you're building a better business and you're building a better sales process through the testimonials that you you can get through a feedback email. Nah, I love that. Now, now for these feedback, do you incentivize people to give feedback or is it more like, hey, we just want to know how it went? No, yeah, it's it's for us, no incentives. It's like people love telling you their experience. And so in general, when we ask like, hey, how how was the onboarding process for you? would love to hear your thoughts if there's anything we could do better or if you had an amazing time like let us know so we can you know give props to the right support rep and we get a ton of responses we don't incentivize them at all and i would say we probably get like 30 40 percent response rates to those emails like people actually clicking reply it's crazy that's fantastic and is it is it just as simple as you know give us your feedback and that's it or are there some tricks with the subject lines or calls to action no, really, there aren't any crazy tricks. Again, it's like it's just very direct, right? So you need to be specific in what you're asking for feedback on. If you say like, hey, did you have a great experience? Yes or no? Like, that's okay, but it's a little too broad. And that requires a lot of thought. Like, okay, well, I've been going through this process for the past uh, two weeks. I've met with two different people. I've had, you know, one meeting I had to reschedule. Like, that's kind of a big exercise and kind of boiling down that whole experience to, you know, a, a quick paragraph long email. Um, so you want to be very specific, like, hey, like, how did your first call with us go? Or how, like, how was it when you logged in for the first time and you got our training video? Like, did you understand where you were going? And like, make it much easier to respond because you don't want to give someone a homework project basically to reply to you and give you that feedback. Oh, that, that, I love that. Just very specific and people know exactly what their answer is. But, but with that said, do you do it on every kind of like action that they're taking or is it uh, like, what's the cadence? No, we, we, I think we send probably two throughout the customer life cycle. Um, obviously there are always avenues for people to share their feedback with us. So either through support tickets, we have a feature request forum but we do specifically ask for it one in the beginning and then one towards uh, around like 90 days, I believe, just basically checking in like, hey, 
do you feel onboarded? Have you accomplished your goals? That sort of thing. And, and we're actually reworking that whole process now to be even more interactive so that we can display people's goals and their feedback to them at any point when they're using our software. That's fantastic. So love that. And it, it sounds like a really easy component to incorporate into almost any onboarding plan. I'd imagine if it's something that's like, if it's going out to, you know, 200,000 people, you know, all right. That'd be it, tough. That'd be tough. <laughs> so you might have to automate that a little bit, but I think even if you did do that, it'd be worth it to go through it and reply to those emails just to find out, you know, some massive issue that you might not be addressing, like you said, in terms of identifying issues that you could fix. And then also just making them feel heard. Because I think when you do do it with a giant email list, nobody expects a reply. It's like, totally, that sucked. And and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And the strategies definitely vary between you know the types of businesses you've got going with a list of 200,000 uh, and maybe like a lower ticket offer. Uh, you're not going to be able to just spend as much time on every customer. And so there, there are other other things you can do if you're looking at like massive broadcasts for sure. Well, going back to that, uh, you know, email deliverability, um, have you found a way to, you know, get more emails delivered uh, or is it more just consistent aspect that you're trying to get replies or send emails? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the very first thing is setting up authentication. I'm not going to go into that because it doesn't really make very much sense in, in this format. Um, but yeah, you want to set up SPF, DKIM and DMARC with whatever email tool you're using. It's worth writing their support team and just asking if you have your email authentication set up. Very easy fix. It's a little technical, but they can walk you through it. No big deal. So once that's done, consistency, yes, very important. So back in the day, email reputation used to be entirely based on IP address. And so what would happen is people would get a private IP address. They'd broadcast out a ton of messages, burn that IP address out, and then they would just get another IP and you'd just keep cycling and cycling and cycling. Well, Google, Gmail, AOL, all of the ESPs out there, they're not dumb, right? Like Google has some of the smartest people in the world working on their email program. And so they started realizing like, okay, gosh, we can't just focus on IP reputation anymore. Well, we need to focus on domains as well. And so now they actually monitor what domains are being promoted and which emails, the type of engagement that those emails promoting those domains are getting. And so again, engagement just becomes huge. And they notice if one domain goes from, let's say zero emails a month to all of a sudden 500,000 in a month. Well, that's that's kind of an indication of a purchase list, right? Like you didn't warm up to 500,000. You just went from zero to 500,000. Like how did that happen? So uh, I think what you mentioned, consistency is key. Uh, you want to ramp up over time. You don't just want to show up with one giant broadcast once a month to a list of, of 100,000 or whatever, because then the ESPs see giant spikes and giant uh, drops, which will affect your deliverability over time for sure. Hey everyone, I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals. Everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. 
We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your digital marketing strategist certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. Now with, you know, the consistency, you know, I have a lot of people who say like an email a day, if people are opening it is not too much. Uh, okay. So let's just talk about that. Like what, what's a frequency that you think uh, businesses can maintain? So I, I think minimum, and again, you're going to want to do it based on the engagement levels of your list, right? So whenever I'm approaching a deliverability problem or a deliverability question, I approach it from the position of the providers. Like who are the people that are controlling my ability to get to the inbox? And those people, if they're Gmail, they're Hotmail, they're AOL, they're Yahoo, it's whoever it is, right? And so for them, for their product to be successful, they need to properly categorize the mail that's coming in for their readers, right? So what mail do they really want? What mail do they kind of want? And what's the crap that they never want to see? And so how are they going to figure out those categories? Well, it's all going to be based on who's actually engaging with your messages. And so the people that are opening every day, if they're hungry, send every day. Heck, if they're opening more than once per day, like they're so hungry for your stuff, send more if you can. I mean, that's a lot of work. Um, but if you're able to provide value um, and more importantly, uh, you know, also close sales because we're all running a business here, um, definitely do it. And if someone's only opening once every two weeks, then send every two weeks. So what I recommend is kind of having engagement tiers, right? Like, okay, well, this is my list that wants uh, my biweekly newsletter. This is my list that um, specifically wants to hear from me like every three or four days and kind of chopping it up from there, right? Uh, because otherwise what you start to have happen is when you're mailing everybody at the same cadence over time, more and more people become unengaged. And so what was once once an engaged list of a thousand people, more people are falling off than coming in, turns into uh, an engaged list of 500, but you're still mailing a thousand. And then because half that list is unengaged, well, next month now only 400 are engaged, 600 are unengaged. And so you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot there. So just being aware and present to your list's needs is very, very important. That's huge. Now for that thousand, you know, uh, hypothetical list, and you've now dropped down to like a 40% is actually opening it. Uh, would you move that 600 to maybe a less engaged segment or how would you manage the people who aren't seeming to be open? Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, start mailing them less frequently. I wouldn't move them into their own segment where they were the only people getting mailed at that time. Um, you still want to make sure that you're mailing those with your engaged people um, because, again, thinking about this from the provider's point of view, let's say you take that unengaged segment and you send to only those 600 people, you're going to get very, very few opens if you're only sending to them. So I would lump in the good the good people, uh, the good openers at that point in time and send them all together. But again, you're only including that unengaged 600 maybe once. And so that way you're still getting the boost from your engaged folks um, and giving your unengaged list a chance to re-engage as, as much as possible. Oh, gosh. 
Now, in terms of just segment chasing in general, um, do you have some kind of like pillars of segments that you guys have found have worked? Uh, honestly, it's again, it's very different depending on what type of business you're in, right? So for us, we work with thousands of businesses in a bunch of different markets. And so, uh, you know, if again, if you're like selling pens in bulk, uh, you know, mailing every day probably isn't very great uh, because no one really wants to hear from their pen provider every day, if that's a thing. Actually, I don't know. There's probably some. I'm guessing there's a newsletter out there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would say in general, and this is difficult, this is kind of cutthroat, but if you can have a list of like 30-day clickers and then let's say like 30 to 90 or 120 day clickers and then kind of like 120 out to maybe like eight months that's those are usually pre three pretty good benchmarks right because the people that are less than 30 days are like super engaged and you want to hit those people often they're usually the people that most recently came into your list and so they also have the highest likelihood of buying depending on your sales cycle and your process obviously and then kind of like dicing it out from there uh, the other thing to keep in mind when you're formulating these lists is where is everybody in your process, right? And so for us, if we get a brand new free trial, uh, we're not going to start hitting them with a bunch of our broadcasts and um, content and like new releases, right? Because for them, the most important thing is like we want them to stick and get onboarded. And so we put all the other broadcasts on hold so that we can focus on their next conversion point. Of course, once they're through and onboarded, we'll move them back uh, so they're nurtured over time. Um, but that's that's the other thing that I, I see often is folks forget, like, yes, you do want a segment, but you need to be aware of what else is happening in your email program while you're mailing to these segments. Well, that, that's, a, that's a great point right there. Now, for those segments, do you, so you're suppressing the one uh, kind of say daily email string while they're going through onboarding? Exactly. Yeah. Because again, like we we want them to focus on the onboarding email. If anytime, if we send them two emails back to back, they're likely only going to read one. And if we send them both, they might see both and be like, oh, I can't deal with this right now and just read nothing, right? As marketers, we know that when we give people more choices, uh, they tend to do less, right? So more fields to fill out, more stuff to read. Um, more often than not, that's actually going to cause them to walk away unless it's super targeted to them, right? No, that's a great point. Now for, actually, and this is another trick question for that, transactional emails being delivered plus the, you know, let's say onboarding and or the daily regular content. Would you suppress then or keep the transactional and the other content? I would keep the transactional in whatever way it makes sense. Oftentimes you can kind of lump them together. So if it's something, if it's something like a invoice, for example, and you've got a membership site, right? Well, you can include the invoice information and login information or whatever they need to do next in that email, right? Because most of the time folks aren't going through and like reading the entire invoice and all that, right? They're just like, ordering it to their invoices folder so they can deal with it at the end of the year, but you can still include some useful information in there. That's, that's actually a really good point. And, you know, I, I think it is <laughs> asking a lot of the receiver of the email to be like, and I'm going to send you this and that and a whole bunch of stuff. Even lumped into one email might be uh, too much for some people. Or for me, invoice emails, I'm like, 
okay, I got it. I have the record. I'm not even going to open it because I know what's in it. So that'll be my only hesitation for combining that. But again, yeah, you're right in terms of if you do see a bunch, you know, three emails. I remember one time I think I subscribed to like Men's Health Newsletter and somehow enrolled me into like 20 of their newsletters and they were all daily. And I was like, now I have to cancel it all because I don't know what's triggering it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fantastic. I think, you know, just those basic things, the authentication, the suppressive email list when people are being onboarded, make sure you know, you know, the cadence that an individual customer is getting, especially when they purchase versus not purchase or are active versus are inactive. Uh, great way to do it. Uh, do you have any other tips in terms of maybe starting this process? If you do have a big email list, you send transactional emails and maybe you send like a monthly newsletter, uh, but nothing else. What should somebody do? Yeah. So yeah, I would say um, definitely if you haven't using a service like Never Bounce is great to just kind of clean your list up. Very easy, very basic step that pretty much anyone can do. You take a CSV, you run it through the system, and they'll pull out the email addresses that likely aren't valid or might be honeypots. So that's, that's a really great step that I think everyone can do. Uh, the next... I think is really looking at the email you're sending and figuring out why you're sending it. This is a really big problem I see often with folks that send newsletters. So like you're sending a newsletter to like make announcements or, or mention a blog or whatever, but there's no real call to action, right? It's like, hey, we wrote some stuff on this topic that you may or may not find interesting. Um, and so they're actually lowering their likelihood of deliverability because they're not delivering anything of consequence or of action, right? They're like, oh, I just need to make sure my list hears me. So I'm going to slam together this newsletter and send it. Like you want to make sure that there's always a clickable or replyable uh, thing in whatever you're sending to make sure that the ESPs see that you get engagement. Um, because otherwise, if you send, again, just like a, a boring newsletter that doesn't have any calls to action, the providers will see that and they'll say, okay, well, every time Brendan sends, like people open, but they never click. They spend two seconds reading it and then they delete it, right? They're going to then deprioritize my message over maybe your message, Mark, who's just like killing the newsletter game, who's offering insane value that's getting clicks, that's getting replies. And so just make sure you're sending with purpose and not sending just to stay top of mind. Ah, love that. Yeah, I think that was an issue back in the day when marketing automation first came out, it was like, yeah, you should use an, a CRM because you can stay top of mind by emailing your customers every week. But like top of mind is good. Uh, but really what you're looking for is being able to get engagement and get conversions whenever you touch base. Um, because otherwise, if you can't do that, you're just kind of at the whims of time. Oh, yeah. Well, or or your natural tendency as a marketer, which, uh, you know, I love how you use the, the top of mind, because I think what happens is that marketers will grab onto a single concept and be like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> and, and it's all the loo and all oh, top of my top of my top of my. So uh, I, those are fantastic, really easily. Uh, you know, applicable tips that could really help with retention. And, you know, for me, I'm a big driver of, hey, the only thing that's going to matter in six to 12 months is retention because acquisition is going to get really expensive or difficult or hard to come by. So you have to keep, take care of your customers, which is fantastic. You know, I'm I'm excited about, you know, insurance companies giving a crap about people again and and things like that. <laughs> 
instead of just yeah, good I actually, marketing. I, I, I got a birthday card recently from my insurance company. First time in probably like 10 years. <laughs> exactly. You only gave them probably 50K a year. So what would what you need it for? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brandon. I think this has been a uh, fantastic talk. Uh, very applicable. I'm definitely interested in having you back on the show uh, if you are to talk more about retention, because like I said, I think it's a huge deal and it's only growing in uh, both complexity and importance. So it's a, a hot topic. Uh, in the meantime, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Brendan Doubles, uh, check out Entreport. So I do sales and partnerships. We're always looking to work with smart people in the industry. So you can email me, Brendan at Entreport.com and I'd love to chat. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.